Well, you want to get started? Yep. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Walleye Talk. I'm Dan Ryan. I'm Will Newer. And we are doing our first Zoom Walleye Talk. It's Zoom because it's very fast. Super fast. They actually hear us before we even, I don't even have to put it up. They, they hear it right now. Right now. Yep, right now. Pretty wicked. What are you doing, Dan? I'm sitting in my backyard. My puppy dog is sitting next to me. I can hear my kids screaming inside, so hopefully that's going okay. <laughs> I, they sound like happy screams. <laughs> me, I'm just playing with these June bug jigs. My good. Spooling up some rods here. Woo! Nice. Get ready for open water 2020. Coming pretty quick, man. I, it got delayed a little bit more than I would have expected i think you know we yeah made, i thought the ice was gonna go now yeah we made some ice predictions 10 days ago and we were way up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i we talked about this yesterday we're probably settling into a pretty ideal ice out date right normal right like right in the middle of where we usually think it's gonna be the the big thing with the ice out dates in comparison to opener here is you want, you really want it to coincide with the post spawn return, right? You don't want them, you don't want them up there spawning right now. Um, and you know, they need three, four or five days to recover before they're really going to put the chow on. I wonder how long that actually is, how long they need to recover. Like, is that window, is it three, four, five days? Is it a week? I don't know. I, I don't know either. But I, mean, I, I imagine it's it's got to take some time. It's not going to be like, okay, let's let everything go and let's go back to eating. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's got to take like, some time. It's not like they're not feeding. They're just not – their their uh, primary motivation isn't putting putting on weight, I bet, you know, that three or five days following the spawn. Right, and they're not going to be it. I mean, their spawning grounds aren't necessarily ideal feeding grounds either for for fishermen. Right, right, yeah. Do you remember the last time you fished? You like caught fish milking? How many years ago that was? Where they were still twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Where walleyes were still juicing, yeah. Where ice was still on. Yep. The leech for opener. Yep. That was the last time I really caught him milking. Yeah. yeah. How about you? I, I, yeah, I guess it probably, it was the first year I started guiding and I was on Wabado cause that was the only open water around and the, almost all of the males were still spitting. Yeah. But. And I think they continued to, for a week or two after yeah, right. the. Right. Thank you. Right. Just like any male, they're trying to take advantage of any opportunity they can. <laughs> so what's the harm? Right. <laughs> what's the harm of hanging out of this stuff? <laughs> All right. I know we, uh, our, our timeline's a little um, different than what we thought we were going to be sticking to through the spring, but obviously current events have changed everybody's lives a little bit. Um, what we've got on the agenda today, we'll talk a little bit about the current events and how that's going to impact our lives a little bit. Um, I had a listener question related to that. That was pretty interesting to think through. We'll talk about some new stuff in the walleye world. Um, some better news. I'd say you and I both have some 
pretty good things going on in life right now. Yeah, life's pretty good right now. A nice update, maybe some predictions, updated predictions on what we think is going to happen. New additions to the arsenal for the 2020. And then we'll get out of here. Sounds like a plan. All right. So um, no reason to beat around the bush. Our lives are different right now. The COVID-19 thing is impacting everybody. And it's certainly on our minds up in the North Country. Uh, do you want to just give a, an update, Will, on what's happening in Longville, maybe? Yeah, uh, a lot of places are cutting hours, uh, taking extra precautions to be to be safe. You know, there's a lot of people, you're dealing with people's lives here, you know, so we're we're taking every precaution at one stop at least uh, to keep everybody safe and keep ourselves safe and, you know, keep, keep the town running, you know. Yeah. Um, we're seeing, uh, you know, there's still people coming up to their cabins, you know, which is, you know, which is what it is. Uh, and, you know, we're still, you know, trying to get out fishing because that's, I mean, the governor said himself, we, we should keep fishing, right? Yeah. I do and, feel fortunate. Like our, our, our hobby, our, our passion and our profession is on a very, very short list of endorsed activities right now. Right. Not that many things they're saying, yeah, for sure do that. And fishing is, is one of them. Also, we're lucky uh, that that's the case in Minnesota. It's not the case in every, every state. I know in Seattle, you cannot go fishing right now. That'd be horrible. Oh man. It'd be bad. But if you needed another reason to leave Seattle. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I guess a Washington state, I should say. Right. And, uh, there's a lot of great fishing opportunities in Washington. Um, right. I do think they're, uh, get out of here. I'm pretty optimistic <laughs> that uh, May is going to look different than April. Um, and Certainly. I'm hoping we can get to maybe a new sense of normal for, <laughs> for, uh, for May and for opener. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, it's just we're very fortunate up here. We've got lots of space. We've got lots of lakes to fish. Uh, plenty of accesses to use. So uh, it's it's not all bad. And I certainly hope the sentiment of our community is able to change in May where uh, I know there's been some people saying stay home for now, but I, I do hope, and I'm, I do, I think it's, it's very likely that that'll change, you know, that we'll right. get to have a, a somewhat normal spring. I know that I, I plan to be open for business starting on opener and I'm rethinking how I can change some, some of my, just day-to-day operations with my equipment to make sure that my boat's a safe place. I think there'll be some simple steps we can take to say, Hey folks, this is, you're going to be good after this fishing trip with me. Right. Have you thought at all about what that's going to look like? Like what you're going to do different? Uh, I'm going to make sure like my rod specifically, you know, anything I touch, I'm going to make sure I wipe down before, um, before anybody else grabs them, you know, um, and I'm going to have them be specific rods for that person, you know, so they're not getting flip flopped a ton. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's applicable, you know, try and, you know, try and wear gloves, you know, things of that nature, try and keep it as little cross contamination as we can. Yeah. I was thinking about the rod, like this is your rod for the next four or eight hours is probably going to be somewhat important, you know, which means. Yep. 
there may be some more rigging time that that occurs where if you're switching presentations it means tying more than just or you know it's not just swapping a rod you might have to tie up a brand new presentation for folks so all doable things it's just going to change change our work day a little bit Mm -hmm. and then uh, we're we're gonna for sure we're gonna really for sure try and make it (laughs) you got a cannon dan gonna be podcast slash fetch session i guess he was pretty great and then he just decided he wasn't great anymore (laughs) uh but the big thing is we're gonna try and keep a a real positive safe environment for for all of our customers here for you and i there's something to be said for people's mental health right now and those that typically fish with us it's it's a pretty important way to take care of yourself you know and and i i don't want i don't think that should be undervalued at a time like this everybody needs some some good in life and i'm hoping that we can provide that um the question that came from that is uh, uh one of our very avid listeners, a guy who actually bought one of our t-shirts recently, uh, he asked about how we thought maybe, um, like if there is a pretty dramatic downturn in boat traffic, what that would maybe do to the fishing season. I know I didn't prep you with that question, but do you have an idea what, what you think might happen? And if, if you think I'm going to whale on them, <laughs> I can already see the forecast. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, Slight breeze with a heavy chance of walleyes in the boat. Um, that's all I see. Gotcha. White tips in the net. It's going to get out of hand. I was really <laughs> thinking that the, the front part of our season probably wouldn't look a whole lot different. Um, but maybe our, our better bite would last a little longer. And yeah, I, through recreational traffic. Yeah, so that's mainly what I'm thinking about is recreational boating might be down a little bit. And uh, that that might extend our our bite into July a little longer than than usual. Well, and that fish that more I think depends on is going to depend on the weather more so than the traffic. I mean, the traffic affects it on certain weekends and certain days, but the fish are still going to push deep because it's warm out. Um, I think it's the shallow bite that's really going to be affected in a positive way. Uh, the less boats running through shallow water means more right. are going to bite. Right, for sure. I think there might be some weed beds that had had there not been a lot of boat traffic running over them all day, every day in July, those right. would be pretty good places to catch walleyes. And this year might that that might be the case. I don't know. I hope there's just a ton of boats out there on the Fourth of July. I think that'd be a sign that life is back to or getting back to normal. Right. Good bill of health. Right. Um, what's the better news, though? What do you mean? Well, what's, what's some better news in your life right now? We covered the current. Oh, man. Oh, let me tell you. I am sitting in my new-to-me Warrior 1890. And I was just, my wife just went inside. She's painting. Uh, she was giving me dirty looks. I'm sorry for the distraction. Uh, but I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my boat. You want to take a look? Yeah, for sure. Walk okay. us through it. So let's take the tour. Uh, so I'm sitting in the bow right now because it's sunny out. I'm going to get up on, I'm up on the high plains here. Um, so I'm going to flip this camera around. This is the front here. This is the bow. 
I got a Trova up there. And uh, we're going to come around here. This boat actually came from a listener, Chad Smith. And uh, this is my perspective right here. What do you think, Dan? Looks pretty great, man. Oh, yeah. Clean, like the cleanest it's probably ever going to be from here well, to out. You know what? I'm going to try really hard to keep it clean. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to make sure it's clean, Dan. All right. And then I'm going to show you one of my favorite things here. Chad Smith had this thing just rigged out. Boom. I do Two like birds. Like Helix stands. Like Boom. Nice. Boom. I like them. Mega stacked. image. That's a pretty big improvement from where you were at last summer. Wee doggy. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be just rad. This is going to be rad. You know, there'll be fish over by that shed over there, and they're not going to be safe. <laughs> they're not going to be safe at all. Will you show me the mount, like the mounts? How is it mounted? How are those? Uh, so this one's got a pretty standard mount right here. Can you see that? Yeah. And then this one's blocked up on a ram mount. Okay. So I'll have to take that off every night, but that's okay. Uh, better me taking it off than somebody picking up off the road. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And then I got the old uh, Vantage here. Nice. This is just, this is going to be a fishing, fishing machine. This is going to be just a fishing machine, man. <laughs> <sighs> so what'd you think of the tour? I thought it was great. Nice and short, which is perfect. Have you put your tackle in there yet? No, I'm, you know, I was going to work on spooling rods while we were doing this. And, uh, but I still have to go through all my tackle and whatnot. So I know it's a terrible thing. I've been waiting too long. I put it off for too long, but I still have to go through all my jigs and stuff. Yeah. I feel like days on the water, it's so much easier to do that stuff when you're, when your boat is floating, in my opinion, like the garage work, you got to do a lot of garage work, but man, if you get any time in like April is a great month to do it, where you can just oh, yeah. maybe run your grass for a little while. Maybe you're planning on doing some crappie fishing, but just float for a half hour and organize much better way to do things. Last summer, I started doing that, like, for for tying up rods for for the day of fishing. Instead of doing it in the dark, or, you know, in the in the garage at night, I'd wait until I was I'd just get to the access forty five minutes early and put the boat in the water and tie up and uh, do the rigging there. It's a pretty like that. It's a pretty enjoyable way to do the the behind the scenes work, really. Oh yeah, you could enjoy a cup of coffee and a salted nut roll. Right. Man, how does it get any better than that, Dan? That sounds great. Oh, yeah. man. Maybe a one-stop breakfast sandwich? The three meat, of course. <laughs> so I was thinking this, I mean, I know it's not on the, t on the topic, but like jigs in general are some of the most versatile ways to catch walleyes. There's so many ways you can do it. On this little thing right here. Yeah. Not just June bug jig, but a, a jig. Yeah. You can catch them on a mitt with a minnow. You could put a night crawler on it. You could put a leech on it. You could put plastics on it. And every way catches fish. And right. you don't work like any of them the same way. Fair enough. It's wild. You've got a pretty good point. You know, there's, uh, well, teams or tournament settings now that are, you can only use artificials. You should start a, a circuit where you can only use a jig. You can oh. use fly bait or whatever, but you it has to be on a jig. 
Dan, you're just tugging all over my heartstrings right now. Ooh. You have a way to entertain um, people for the next 30 seconds while I put this dog inside? Yes. All right. I'll see so, you. So the big thing that I want to, I guess I'll go over, is like when you're jigging, especially in shallower water, um, and for me, I do a lot of drift fishing. So I don't run a ton of braid because I don't run it on a tight line. I'm running a lot of slack line where I'm moving just the slack until I touch the jig. Um, and that's the big reason why I use mono instead of braid. And if you try and do that with braid, you're going to move, you're going to over move your jig. And when that fish bites, you're going to have just like when you feel that bite, that fish is going to feel when you feel that fish. So that's why it's real important to use mana filament. I had, I had a braided jigging rod. I ran quite a bit last year. Yeah. You, you crushed me that one day when you caught one on that fly rod. Oh, was I, that, I was using a braided rod in shallow water there. Yeah. Cause you, so you could cast farther. And I think that's one of the situations where braid would be pretty key. Uh, more so just uh, get it out there than to, than to feel. Cause well, I guess when a, when a fish cracks it, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I do feel, we talked about this with, with Dylan, uh, with Mackie, like, whichever system you choose is fine the people who are good with braid are plenty good with braid oh yeah um, that kind of segues pretty well into something that's happening in the walleye world that has been a pretty pretty good thing to have going on right now oh um, man it's wild there's a new tournament format called head-to-head fishing um i'd say it's the biggest thing if, if people are are into the the social media walleye world um it's got quite a bit of moment momentum. Do you want to talk people through like the setup of the, of that tournament style? So it's uh it's like March madness, right? So you've got, it's currently has a 16, 16 player format, I think. Yeah. Okay. So you've got two sides, eight on each side. It's like the sweet 16. So the top two people are going to face off and whoever has the most weight most fish over two pounds as far as weight goes will go on to the next round and so on and so on and so on. And then you, you know, you go on to your lead eight and it goes on both sides of the bracket. And then at the end, they meet in the middle for the championship. And it, it is some wild TV because you're watching eight anglers that first round, you're watching eight anglers at what time. So they've got like a, a split screen of four right away. And then they'll have, you know, they'll cut away to the per- person who's catching a fish. And it's cool because all they're doing is artificials. That's all they're doing. Right. And a big reason that they're doing that is to try and keep up with the bass world, really, because walleye fishermen are so stuck in their ways. You know, I- I'm one of them where, you know, they're using live bait all the time. So you don't need these advancements with, you know, with your plastics, with body baits and whatnot. Um, and it's a way to try and get the industry caught up for with the bass fishing. Yeah, which that's is just a pretty cool. compelling argument when they I, when they vocalize that that they they think that that's the biggest difference between the two right now is that the bass fishing tournaments have they're almost always exclusively artificials only, and that sort of forced the industry to be um, to be coming up with new stuff all the time. And so they're trying mm-hmm. to do the same thing with the walleye world. 
it does help wild with their where they're starting these tournaments out you know they've been on the fox river um and uh it's been pretty good tv i'd say and the tournaments are five hours long and when i heard that i was like there's no way i would watch five like a five hour tournament and then they do that for four consecutive days to get to the championship. And I've watched like way too much live <laughs> walleye tournaments the last And that one days. day they tried to condense it or they condensed it. So you had 10 hours of yeah, fishing to watch. I did a morning and an afternoon session. And I watched probably like eight hours of those two tournaments. <laughs> and I'm also surprised that it's live. Like it, they broadcast it live. They Facebook live is where I've been watching it, but they've got it on yep. YouTube too. Um, there's actually some pretty dramatic moments. Like a couple tournaments have come down to the last, the one, uh, just a couple days ago, the guy had a four pound lead on, um, actually a Minnesota guy that I was kind of rooting for. His name was Jesse Brady. Yes. The, the clock was clicking under a minute and Brady caught a fish and it ended up being, uh, it was a three pounder. So like, (laughs) and like, how big is the fish? You know, if it's if it's an eight pounder, it might take a minute to get it to the boat. You know, right? And uh, so there was like some pretty. It wasn't monotonous. You know, it was pretty interesting to watch. Well, I mean, if you're gonna do a tournament like that, the Fox River is one of the best places to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, some giant fish coming out of Lake Michigan. Right, and it's also the it there's no you're not weighing your your five or six biggest it's how many pounds of walleyes you can catch in a five-hour stretch so mm-hmm. we saw, i think the the record right now is 64 pounds something the guy caught 14 walleyes in five hours and that was that was good enough that's a that's a lot of pounds of fish yeah and then the head-to-head thing makes it interesting because one of the guys who, who's been in both of them his name's ryan dempsey has yet to have a bad day. Like, I, I don't think he's had under 20 pounds, but he has yet to make the championship because he got paired against the, the dude who, who caught 64 pounds worth. He had 30 pounds that day. <laughs> right. So the, it comes down to your draw a little bit too. Right. And that's the cool thing about this is you can be, overall, you can have the second worst day, right? And still make it to the next round. Yeah. and beat the guy who had the best day you know right, right. Yeah. It, it's all about chasing these bites that you know it, it's just a really interesting and cool way to to do it yeah for for where we're located like our home water what they're doing is not completely foreign but it's not stuff that is a staple for us either you know we don't spend a lot of time casting rip and wraps or blade baits um but it it, it makes you want to do it more <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so it, you might learn a new presentation and then they also, the commentators talk you through what they're using. Um, maybe one guy's jigging cadence is working better than the others. That Jesse Brady guy, he was doing a real weird, like sweeping motion with sidearm. Yeah. With his rip and wrap. Nobody else did that. And it, it worked for him like three days in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's pretty good TV. And oh, yeah. A lot of people, I think, have more time than usual during the, the day hours to, to maybe watch some. And you can, like, tune in and tune out, you know, just check it for an update and then watch the last hour to see how things are panning out. It's pretty pretty fun stuff. They were talking about having a Minnesota circuit, um, but that's that's getting a little messed up right now. 
anyway, I'd check it out head to head fishing or H2H fishing. Um, good way to, to get excited about our upcoming walleye season. Yeah. And there was some pretty big names in there too. Max Wilson was in there and his partner, Tyler Lockich was in there. Eric Hadia was in there. Yeah. I mean, it's not like these are some chumps that are, that are fishing this thing. These are, these are big time sticks that are coming out there and playing. For sure. I also thought it was real intriguing or real interesting that, uh, when you, all right. Sophie. Hey, Sophie, get over here. All of that. Tend to my dog. <laughs> now we're even. All of the anglers are mic'd up. So, um, and they come from all different parts of the walleye world. You know, there are some guides involved. There's a lot of the, the pro tournament guys. Then there's weekend tournament guys. And there's some locals. And the, the pro tournament guys uh, generally are pretty quiet. They're not talking a lot because they're used to just doing their own thing. They're used to, to fishing and, and not uh, talking very much. Um, whereas when you get a guide like Eric Hadia, he was talking the whole time. He was explaining what he was doing, um, talk, talking to the cameraman through essentially what they were doing. And that was a pretty noticeable trend. If you had a guide, they were real chatty. They were talking to their camera a lot and, and coaching, which made me think that that's just in our nature. You know, the guides on that show were, were, were talkative and were, were coaching and we couldn't turn it off. Whereas the, the pro tournament guys were down to business. Right. They didn't even look at the camera. They'd have their back to the camera for 90% of the footage. But uh, <laughs> I did notice most of those, the, the teams that, or the guys that were doing better came from the tournament world. Um, well, I mean, it's, that's kind of the way it works for us too. You know, the tournament guys come into town and they do pretty well, you know, compared to the guides most of the time. Um, do you want to do an ice update? What things? Yes. Right now. Um, so I was talking to a guy who's out on five mile and he said that it's pretty well still up against the shoreline. The ice is, um, so I'm sure we've got another couple weeks of there being ice on Leech Lake. Uh, I actually drove this boat up to the mouth of the lake from federal dam and it was open probably 50 yards, 60 yards from there. Um, but while I was out there in a boat, a guy was driving across the ice with a side-by-side. So, <laughs> so, I mean, there's still quite a bit of ice out there. Um, the little lakes around here, they never had as much ice as, as Leech did. And you're seeing some big, some bigger chunks opening up, uh, especially, you know, from these shallower bays. I mean, I drove by a lake today and it was, I would say a quarter open, um, right. which is good. I think going to be coming soon, you know, yep. if today had any more heat in it, I think those would probably go, you know, like if we did have a 55, 60 degree day with the wind we've got right now, Oh yeah, my parents' lake south of Longville is about the same. And it reminds me of the days it usually goes out, you know, there's a little bit of wind and some heat in the day, but I think the high is only 46 for the day and then it's going to cool off. So we might be postponing it. Hopefully there'll be some lakes open next weekend. That was my hope for the, um, was to have my new boat on the water next weekend, but we'll see. I think we can, we can manage to get your boat on the water, Dan. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. If you want a little help, I, I, I've got some ideas. I know you do. I'm sure I could. I, I do like, it's like a tradition for me. I've got one lake that opens up pretty early and it, it's the first boat ride of the year usually. So that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> See if you can't catch a crappie in there too while you're at it. Yep. I did have Nick, Nick Perrin at the Muskie house. They're doing the rigging for me. Um, my 2090 is sitting at the Muskie house right now, ready to go. I'm going to pick it up on Monday. Um, and he's like, dude, you know, you can't take a single fishing rod with you the first day. Right. And I'm like, I didn't know that. He's like, oh yeah. Cause all you'll do is you'll see one fish on the graph and you're going to have to try to catch it. You won't know how to the graph. And you'll come to me right around opener and you'll have problems. You need to go out there, push all the buttons. Uh, and then, and then you can fish on your second day. <laughs> I, I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to just take Bree and Graham for a boat ride and, um, just look at the graph, run all the, run the trolling. Over. Sophie. No. Somehow my dog made it back out here. I guess if the, if Bree has the screaming kid, she uh, I get I get the dog that wants to play fetch. Um, what do you think is going to be the difference with the new boat? Like, why? How is that going to practically make a difference for you during this this first season with it? So the big thing is, uh, well, I didn't want to be the slowest one to our fishing grounds, you know, during the tournaments. Uh, another thing I wanted was, you know, when we do have those rough days, I mean, I could certainly do it. Uh, but I want, I just wanted to be more comfortable for everybody in the boat when we're going across the lake, you know, that's a big thing too. And be able to have that power to get up and get on plane as quickly as possible. So everyone is dry and as comfortable as possible. Um, and that was, that was a few of the reasons I thought, you know, having a bigger boat was going to, would help. Um, and plus who doesn't like having something new and shiny, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that I've been thinking when you brought this up as a topic, you know, most of the time we try to just choose to go where we, where we think we're going to have the best chance to catch fish, right. Regardless. Um, but there are, there are, depending on the group of people we have with, there are times where you have to take that into consideration and maybe not what you'd consider spot number one because of the reasons. Right. That still might be the case depending on the group and depending on the day. It doesn't matter how big a boat you have sometimes. Right. They don't want to, they don't want to wave, you know, they don't want to have a rough ride whatsoever. Right. right. And that's totally yeah. fine. That's, that's part of it. It's supposed to be. That's part of the business. But I do think it opens up the, opportunity to, to more often be right out in the teeth of it and have people be be comfortable and safe and that's what people look for um i also think that fishability is a big thing that the, the newer boats are are it's easier to control do what you want with them and i know that's certainly true for uh 2090 and an 1890 for that matter i'm sure what he was going to say next is electronics you know i it's the like old timey guide and me hates that part of it. Sometimes that electronics makes such a big difference, but they're a pretty important tool and the imaging has gotten a lot better, even from my old boat or wolf. I think that's going to make a pretty big difference with how we fish lakes and scenarios. The thing I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> the thing I can't get over, which I also sort of like about our home part of Leech Lake is the East side 
lot of it, the, our home rocks are imaging proof, man. Oh yeah. And, and I kind of like that you, you have to, you have to do something else to figure out if there's sufficient there than just graph it. And there's I a lot of gut work to it. I don't think that's going to change. I don't, I don't really care how good the, the, the uh, electronics get. I don't think some of our shallow rock stuff will ever be. Um, I don't think you'll be able to figure it out with the graph. Right. You got to just fish it, trust your instincts, fish your gut and, and give it a try. Right. Which maybe, you know, like maybe that's where we'll have a little bit of a leg up in the, in the future with these electronics getting better and better is there's, there'll be a certain percentage of fish at a certain time of year that you'll just have to kind of know they're going to be there based on the conditions. That's a very Bob Landerville thing to say. <laughs> Dude, that's the nicest thing you've said to me in weeks, man. <laughs> You're not kidding. Bob just like casually crushes fish when it matters. And he yeah. does it on a lot of just gut instinct. I feel like he can sniff them out, man. He's like the bird dog <laughs> of the walleye world. There's not a person on earth who could fish hogers the way Bob Vanderville fishes hogers. Hogers is a giant bar. <laughs> He's just like, ah, uh, what day is it today? <laughs> yeah, we'll try it right here. And then also, here they are. Here they come. <laughs> and that's very much a spot that uh, is not very easily, like, you can't graph it. Like, giant, giant rock in there. <laughs> he, just, he knows where to find them. He must have every rock memorized because there's a fish behind every rock, right? He right. should know where all of them are. Right. 120,000-acre lake. He knows every boulder bigger than a basketball. <laughs> and over eight feet of water. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have any suggestions for people as to what they could do with their week? I know there's a lot of people, once again, that have maybe more free time than they're used to. Um, I know you said you were rigging rods. What, what else would people maybe be doing with this week? Well, a big thing you can do is you can go through your jig bags. If you're like me and have everything bagged up, go through there and put them in these little nifty tackle boxes. Um, you know, I don't know how anal you need to be about getting them organized color by color, but at least get a, you know, if, if you have two or three main sizes, you know, make a quarter jig box quarter ounce jig box, make an eighth ounce jig box, make it 16th ounce jig box or split the eighths in the quarter and the 16th. And, um, you know, try and get things ready. So if, if when it comes down to it, you're as efficient as possible for taking it out, tying it on, um, things of that nature. If you're into pulling spinners, build a few spinners, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're into having different kinds of linear eggs, you know, set those suckers up. Um, and this is a good time of year too, to do some research on something you want to build on. Like if you want to, um, things you want to get better at, this is time to research, read, um, watch videos on how to get better at such and such a thing. Right. Yeah. I kind of liked, I was talking to you the other day and you like kind of dug your feet in already on your opener plan, which also is I mean, you think it's going to be effective, but it's also forcing yourself to to do something that maybe isn't the typical thing you do on opening weekend. Exactly. So uh, I'm I've got a crazy big plan here. It's not that crazy, but uh, a guy I usually fish with and I, uh, Mark Pordak, uh, 
we're going to go out on opener without any live bait whatsoever. We're going to fish plastics. We're going to fish body baits and we're going to really, we're going to try very hard to figure out a game plan to get those fish to go. Sure. Because well, you think about it's the, it's the way of the future. Why not jump on now and get ahead of the game? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. I think um, when, when I was thinking about this topic, like ways to up your arsenal, right. Things to improve upon. It's not always um, like what's going to get them to bite today. A lot of it is what's going to get them to bite better today. You know, I, I think I can sort of settle into like this. We got an okay day going uh, rigging leeches. So we're going to mm-hmm. rigging leeches. Whereas like maybe we'd be better. Maybe we'd be catching twice as many if we were pulling spinners and, and you you wouldn't try that. You wouldn't be as bold to make that decision unless you had a lot of confidence in your spinner program or your slip bobber program, whatever it is, you know, it's hard to, to put a rod down that's catching some fish to try something new. Um, right. But Especially if you can't do those things simultaneously. Right. right. So you're going to pull spinners. You're going to pull all of them, have all of them pull spinners. Cause you're not going to pull a regular Lindy rig at a mile an hour. Right. Uh, with a leech on there. Yeah. Um, so when you're thinking about stuff like that, do how to catch it better, how to, how to catch it better while still doing, you know, doing something like Lindy rigging, you know? So that's why I want to get better at, you know, casting plastics with heavy, you know, heavy jigs on there and in the deeper water um, because I could do that simultaneously uh, or as we're Lindy rigging. Yeah. So the boat control, you want to try to maintain the same type of boat control, boat speed, structure, um, proximity, but have a different presentation to try. Right. I feel like we, you and I both have a pretty big flaw though, that we don't like to do anything fast. Like a yeah. mile an hour is fast for both of us. And, right. And at some point we're going to be, we, we're going to have to break out of that, you know? Yeah. In my opinion, and maybe not, but if you look at the tournament world, it's like what we talked with Mackie about, like speed is the key. Right. Covering the water. I'm going to give you with a lab. Like if you want to buy yourself some time, you have to not see, not, not let him see where the ball lands. So we'll see how I do here. If I throw it and he doesn't see it, it buys me like four minutes of uninterrupted podcasting. <laughs> How'd you do? Can you hear me, Dan? I can hear you. Yeah, but we got signed out. I don't know what happened. I think we got to just keep going with the audio. Okay. It's weird that I can hear you still, though. Can you see me? No. Can you see me? I can you. I got signed out because my account was signed in by somebody else. Oh, man. First timers. If you can see me, let's just keep going with it. We'll, we'll make sure that the audio gets up. Okay. Um, uh. so yeah, like I, I used to pull spinners quite a bit and that's, I, I've let it go. Um, mostly because I've come up with pretty good ways to catch them during spinner season. Um, 
that are, in my opinion, a little bit more customer friendly. But yep. I do want to get back to to having some confidence in doing that. So in in that um, exact example I was given, where we're doing okay rigging, but uh, if I've got some confidence in spinners, maybe we could be catching more fish that way. So, right. in a way that uh, is enjoyable, you know, just because I like rigging doesn't mean uh, customers wouldn't enjoy a spinner. And, this, and a bite on a spinner is actually pretty enjoyable. So, um, that's that's one thing I'm thinking about getting back into the spinner world. Well, and big thing too, like for me, is I'm usually off of there. I'm off of, you know, the spinner friendly lakes a lot of times by the time that hits. Sure. You know, where you've got big bars that you're pulling spinners on where, you know, it's not that difficult to to cover the ground because it's a straight shot, essentially, you know, very minimal turns and whatnot. It's just it's hard to pull a spinner on a very small structure. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I used to pull the humps a lot with spinners and look and looking back on it now, like those aren't super easy to, to pull spinners on. Not at all. I have a very big, good memory of me getting my teeth kicked in at the Leech Lake Classic and watching you, Matt Holmgren and Lee Clancy, just absolutely dominating, you know, really putting on a clinic there. And it really, uh, it really put a bitter taste in my mouth. (laughs) And that, it was fun because, like, like we were trying new stuff with spinners, and we were running them on. Uh, oh, I think Lee was running one on like a three-way setup, and like we had our trolling rod set out. And the, the thing that you maybe didn't recognize is that there was a boat shuffle going on that was ridiculous. Like all of us were driving my boat at different periods of time because, like, we would we didn't have like a good system for catching the amount of fish that want to play what we had going on. <laughs> So like I would, I'd get fit and I'd like shift out of the captain seat, and move forward. Somebody would jump back there and drive. Another guy would clear a line. It was not a very polished system, but it was just, we, we like stumbled upon a bite they, that, that they, they were into. Whatever gets the job done, Dan. Yeah. Right. And I mean, goofing off with two of your buddies, it's not a bad way to, not a bad way to be. No, it was a pretty great day, really. I had alarms going off. I had all sorts of goofy stuff happening. <laughs> well, I was rougher than a cob. Yeah, it was. It was terribly rough. I remember uh, none of my none of my accessories worked. Nothing like my bilge pump didn't work. My graph had shut off. Like no, nothing was working electronically. And uh, Lee is a uh, he's pretty good with electronics. He um, like that makes up some of his workload at work. And he like was digging around and he's like looking at things and he's like well have you tried uh shutting it off and then turning it back on again <laughs> it's like talking to the it guy you know when you call about your computer or your phone and i did that and everything started working again <laughs> just hit the breaker and he looks like a genius yeah right right he's so like kind with my like the stupid things I do with my equipment. Uh, he's, he's helped me solve a lot of problems and he's really kind about not like just calling me a dumbass for the thing. <laughs> I was talking with Holmgren uh, yesterday and I, I don't think I shared this story, but on the eve of opener last year the or the day before opener, I had my alarms were chirping at me. Like there was a short and I was sure it was in the ignition. 
So I tore my ignition apart and like clear, cleaned all the contacts, hooked it back up and then went up to Cass Lake to fish opener. And the, uh, <laughs> when I turned the key on opener, it blew the main fuse in my outboard. And so I had like miswired that ignition and blew the main fuse. So at 7.30 Friday before opener, my boat won't start and Holmgren and I are troubleshooting it. We figure out that uh, what what's happened that I've done this and we need like a five amp fuse or something. And we went to every store in Cass Lake and there was one one five amp fuse uh, in the whole in the whole town so at 7 30 at night 7 30 at night so we get that one fuse try to get things wired up and we know like if it's not wired correctly uh we're you're gonna, gonna blow the fuse blow the fuse again and then we're gonna be out of a boat we won't have a boat for open but we got <laughs> we got it back together like as the sun was going down we're like okay <laughs> we have a working boat that's good <laughs> oh man i do feel bad for my friends sometimes because it's not like that's like a a dan ryan story they they would categorize that as something that i do quite frequently a day in the life of dan yeah but hopefully though no more hopefully with a brand new boat brand new outboard i won't be rewiring ignitions the day before no troubleshooting no no um do you do you think it'd be a good idea to try and do another podcast in the boat and try and uh, as we're fishing, if we get another nice day like we did? Yeah, I think neither one of us are going to have real squeaky seats this time, and uh, I'm spinning them right now. They're not squeaking at all. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I we got actually a lot of positive feedback about that. Um, Other than my squeaky seats. Yeah. Another guy we just sold a shirt to, his name's Bob Cords. He's from Florida. He's a very avid listener. He's also like a life coach for me right now through this whole deal. Um, yeah. And through fatherhood. He's had some real, some real good guidance on, on being a new father. Um, yeah. He, he bought a shirt and he was, he was one who was like, I love the squeaky seat. Don't let anybody complain about me. <laughs> Well, Cody Robbins will get to enjoy that now. <laughs> he might make it squeak even more than you do. Oh, uh, maybe. We'll see. He's going to catch a bunch of fish out of that boat, too. Yeah, I was reminiscing with the Muskie House guys um, about how good of a boat that was. You know, a lot of people say that the best days with a boat are the first day and the last day because it is kind of nice to see him go. Um, yeah. But then when they're in other people's hands, you're like, God, I bet they're going to crush out of that thing. Oh, yeah. That's how I felt when I sold mine. Um, not to say there won't be a few headaches along the way, but uh, those are their headaches. And that's part of that's part of owning a boat. Yep. Yeah, that's part be, of it. He'll be good for sure. Anything we missed? Anything else you want to talk about, dude? Nothing. No, I'm, I think we've had a terrific episode. Hopefully this new format, you're, this format we're doing works. Right. Who knows? Yes. We just <laughs> all made it through without any glitches whatsoever, besides the dogs. And the screen going black. Right. Um, we've mentioned it a couple times. We've got Walleye Talk shirts for sale, though, if you want to. Uh, it says, I'm looking at one right now. It says, Walleye Talk with Will and Dan. It's got a picture of our ugly mugs, and it says, 
the best fishing podcast you've never heard of. We've sold we've sold quite a few of them. Uh, yeah, we've got plenty to go around. So if you're interested, uh, send me a message. Send Will a message, and we'll hook you up. We'll get you taken care of. P- please do it on like Facebook or uh, or text us or email us. Don't don't do it directly on SoundCloud. Um, we don't always get those right away. That's kind of our blind spot right now. Yeah. We're trying to do better, but we're still two, you know, dumb guys. We're just you know. dummies, man. You can't get away from the fact that we're just dummies trying to do the, the fancy technical stuff. We're just trying to fish. <laughs> oh, good stuff. What are you going to do now? Uh, I'm going to finish rigging my rods. I'm going to start organizing tackle. That is a project. Organizing my tackle is a project. I think uh, I'm going to start... I'm going to start on that and see how many jig boxes, how many, how many tackle boxes I need. Yeah. The, the hard thing when I was looking at my tackle, cause I was also trying to figure out ways to be more efficient is it's hard to visualize how to be more efficient when you're looking at all your boxes and then yeah. you don't have a place for the stuff when they're not in the boxes, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, unless I, I think that, the way I was able to do it is I had, I, I had three or four empty boxes, which was a, like, I was able to use to s- sort of start fresh with like a jig box, you know, like, okay, this is going to be a brand new jig box and it's going to free up some room so I can do um, some more reorganization with the existing jig box. That, that helps a lot. You ever notice if you drop a box full of jigs that the top will shatter into a million pieces? <laughs> <laughs> I found that out. I found that out, especially after you just take all the time to uh, organize it and then you drop it. Um, it'll really put you in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> I think jig boxes are the worst ones to drop. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's not like dropping a bunch of beads are going to do anything, right, you know? Right. <laughs> and sometimes, like, certain, uh, like, a uh, three sixteenths and a quarter can be a pain, you know, it's a super big pain. You got to like compare them sometimes to make sure they're ending up where they're supposed to. Uh, okay. Well, well, okay, Dan, let's call this wrap and we'll hopefully be back to a more normal podcast process where we're sitting next to each other. Um, but if not, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. All right, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this has been Why Talk. I'm Will. I'm Dan. See you next month.